Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Do you own a business or does your ex own a business? And are you about to get divorced or have been divorced? And I'm wondering how the the business plays into your property settlement. Well, I've got mum here, family law expert of 35 years, and she's going to explain to us all the things that we wish we knew when it comes to our divorce and businesses. Hi, mum. Hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Now, mum, this would crop up a lot, I would say, with your clients. Mm -hmm. They would probably be. Australia is one of the biggest small business uh, countries in the world. And there are a lot of people out there who have side hustles, small businesses, big businesses. Not everybody has a nine to five job where they work for somebody else. So this this does come into a lot of people's separations. Mm. And I think it's a really important topic to cover in case maybe you have a business and you're worried about what's going to happen to it. Or the flip side of that is you don't have a business, but your part, your ex-partner does, and you feel like you might be getting ripped off. So let's talk about this and let's explore all the options. Oh, that's a big topic, a big topic. <laughs> you're right. Australians really are <clears throat> champions at having a go. And even mm. people with nine to five jobs, I find often have a little side hustle, a little job business on the side. So mm. this is probably relevant to a lot of our listeners. All right. So let's just get at the overarching view for anyone's opinion. Hmm. If the business belongs to you or if the business belongs to your ex, when it comes to separation and the property pool, what's the rules? Well, it gets valued and it gets valued um, sometimes for negotiation, but if it goes all the way to trial, it's going to be valued again. So if it becomes more profitable, it will be worth more, closer to the trial. Um, and if it's your business and you want to hang on to it, you may have to give more money or lose more other property um, to keep the business. So it just gets added in. Once there's a number for it uh, and mm. the accountants look at it, then we just add it in. So we're going to look at the valuation, money and time investing, selling or paying them out, uh, and where you get possibly get the money for, and whether or not that you've already touched on that building it up or scaling it down. That one thing that I think people have a misconception of is, oh, it's their business, so I don't have any any say in it when I don't get anything out of it because I didn't work in the business. Is that true? Mm, A lot of people feel that and they forget that they were working alongside of that person building up the business. Um, In a lot of um, cases, when the women are home with children, um, they're often doing the books for the business, taking reservations and working that way. So the court, if it started during the relationship um, and is still going at the end of the relationship, then the court is going to say that each of you pretty well put in, you know, an equal share. You don't get, it doesn't get personally or individually assessed as to who did how many hours or who put how many dollars in. What the court does, remember in our property settlement, the first step is work out what the property is, property is, and you know, just like they can put a value on a house and a car, the business will come down to a number 
Um, those numbers will be added up so that you get what they call the entire property pool. I mean, that's what you've got minus your debts, what's left to divide. And then that doesn't get divided on a calculated who put what money in basis. It's going to be percentages like, you know, did, did you both work and give everything you had towards the business and the family? Well, then your contribution's probably 50-50 to the business or to everything. So- so that argument mm. that like some and I know um, some women in business in Australia who, mm. who you know they've done all this work they've worked their butts off in the yes. midnight two a.m. and they've done all this side hustle maybe created a side hustle yeah. into a full blown business while their partner has had a job or run their other business and and they might be like well why do they get it why do they get that <laughs> does that get taken into account at all no. or is it just literally just it. it what's yours is mine, we've got to split it up. Pretty well. I mean, if you've had a very short relationship, the court and, and if the business perhaps was running before then or it was only your money, then the court may take a different view and give you a bigger percentage for contribution. But usually... Um, as long as both of you were kind of working on a general forward motion of your properties, they will just add it in. And that question that you said, Laura, about women saying, well, I've worked my guts out, it was my idea, I've been here to tour, I hear that, I hear you. But do you know, for the first probably 20 years of practice for me, it was the men saying, I did all this. This was my, mm. and that court used to call it special contribution. And oh. for a little while, a couple of millionaires were able to get away with that and say, or multimillionaires in those days say, you know, it was his special contribution. But then the full courts um, about 15 years ago said, no, don't be doing that now. <laughs> Homework, yeah. housework is equal to business work. And it it does great on me that a person who worked like a a mum with children who went that extra mile and also ran a business and helped the husband in their business doesn't get any more credit than if she had stayed home and focused all of her attention on the children or the housework really. It's... Mm. um, because you kind of got to, like, there's an assumption there, I guess, that you do it anyway. <laughs> but that's, no, that's a different. Yeah, that's no, a different... it's just the assumption. No, the assumption is that housework and minding children is uh, your could be your contribution to the marriage, and you would still mm. get an entitlement of fifty fifty usually. Um, mm. But if you're building up a business as well, I know how hard that is. You and I know. Laura, mm. and how mm. unfair it seems. Mm. Um, but, you know, it all comes into the to the pool and gets divided on the basis of contributions and your future needs. Okay. Well, let's look at the next kind of question that comes up a lot is um, people go, oh, maybe, maybe I, like, what should I do with my business? Um, should I run it down so it's worth nothing or do I build it up so it's worth heaps? Um, does that, that dirty... Like the tricks that people use in that kind of thing, does that ever help when it comes to this kind of thing? I guess mm. it doesn't, does it? Um, yeah, well, I don't think that there's any sense in building up the business so much that you can't afford to pay your husband out or your, your ex-partner out of it, um, mm. particularly at a time in separation when you really probably should be focusing on self-care and the children. So I wouldn't, I would certainly recommend to not be growing it particularly. Um, and we've learned that off the men over the years. Mm. I've never seen a business 
post-separation that suddenly flourishes. It, uh, yeah. it tends yeah. to sort of drift. And to be honest, you know the emotional toll that separation can take. Um, if you've got kids, probably you do need to step back a bit and, mm. you know, but there's no point building it up. It's like making a stick to hit yourself with. The more yeah. it's worth, um, the more I wouldn't you'll suggest run it down at all. But no. but no need to grow it. In regards to that valuation that mm. happens, you said that there's two times that it'll occur, like when you're in negotiations, because you mm. need some sort of dollar value to place on it. Yep. And the other time is if you can't agree and you end up going to trial, is there a second valuation? Yeah. So some people don't need a valuation to start with. They might have had it on the market or had offers on a property and, and everyone might agree, all right, that business is worth $50,000 or it's worth a million dollars. But yes, if you're going to negotiate um, usually you need to get that business valued and mm. and it will depend on the goodwill and so forth. Once everyone knows what it's worth, then it's just maths. Add it all up, take away the debt, work out what's left, 50-50 probably if it's a reasonable length marriage for contributions. And then, okay, who's going to need um, extra help going forward? Um, and if you're the one with the kids most of the time or you can't earn the big bucks and you might get a percentage there. Um, the valuation at the time of trial is the really important one. Um, nobody is going to go to trial knowing a business has grown, on the other side that is, without wanting it valued again. And yeah. if your business has wound down a little bit, you're going to want it valued again. Mm. Um, mm. I'm not suggesting being sneaky here, um, really, but I don't continue to knock yourself out um, yeah. to make an asset you're going to have to share with the other side. Wait until after it's all sorted and then, you know, go sore. So the next question that people ask is, and I, and I guess it's the same as time invested, is cash invested. So maybe mm. does, does the cash investment get included in the decision-making or is it just all chucked in? If the marriage or relationship hasn't gone for very long, the parties will have their own separate funds usually and you might be able to trace which of those funds came before the marriage or before the relationship. But if it's money they've saved up during the relationship, it doesn't matter at all. It just, okay. yeah, they won't. So it's not like business partners. Um, marriage is not like a business partnership. I think I have to say yeah. that. And length of marriage, just quietly, mm. is when you say, oh, if it hasn't been for too long, mm. what's a rough couple, like yeah. date okay. amount? This is, we've got hundreds of cases on this and, and some people have even tried to do tables. So what what is termed a short marriage is usually anything under about five or six years, particularly mm. or, or, or a de facto relationship, especially if you've kept your money separate. <clears throat> then the court's more inclined to leave things in the names of the people that they were or are and then just divide the joint property in the, the calculation. Or, or another way of saying that is give you greater credit if you brought in a lot more money at the beginning. But over time, a marriage like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, that initial 30000 you had in the bank becomes less relevant and yeah. more and with kids as well so the what they say is up to 6 years or so is a short marriage um i can remember when up to 12 years was regarded as a short marriage now we we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not we're not that um <laughs> <laughs> we're going 
to heck with this, we're out. <laughs> um, but then they say every child adds a four-year marriage, no, four years to the marriage notionally. So if you've been married hmm. or together for six years and you've got three kids, that's like it's an 18-year marriage and the court is more inclined to blend all of the the income ah. and discount to some extent the initial contributions of either of you and consider you on a joint path. So right. Rosie, even with your skill, I haven't been able to give you haven't been able to get out of me a straight answer. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I've gone That's all okay. <laughs> all right. Well let's let's go to the next. Emma and look and mum, you're not a judge. Obviously no. everybody's case is individual different. and different and it's like a moving puzzle that you're gonna try and put yeah. together while going on the conveyor belt. I get it. So as long as people get some sort of basic understanding yep. and then go and see a lawyer or go to trial yep. or negotiate based on at least some of the information that you've been given, but go and get your yeah, own don't, individual don't advice. Don't go telling the judge that um, Lynn Galvin told you to <laughs> not, not build your business up. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll be in big trouble. Oh, well. Okay, so the next question people come up with as a conundrum, I guess, is do you sell it or do you pay them out? What do, is that a decision that's made before or before the divorce or during the divorce? Yeah. What what does what's what guides people on those kind okay. of decisions? It, it it is kind of a, a natural thing sometimes or a gut thing. Like um if it's a business the woman has started from scratch and um she knows all the ins and outs, obviously uh the the other person can't buy them out because they wouldn't know how to run the business. So obviously yeah. if anyone's yeah. going to have the business, it's the person who started. Similarly, um if there's a you know, fitters fitter and turner business or whatever. Not that you're being sexist, Not there, that I'm there could be I'm just plenty of fitter old. and turner women out yes, there, yes. But yep. I haven't come across a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so it depends who's who would normally be able to run the business. Um, mm. And I always ask my clients, do you want the business or not? Because that's actually a gut decision. Give me the goalpost. I'll try and work towards it. Um, and I guess that's a that's a decision you probably need to make early on because you don't want to be negotiating all this other stuff and then all of a sudden go, oh, my goodness, I don't think I want to run the business yeah. post-separation because I probably can't. I've got too many kids yeah. or, you know, I've got a got busy life. So that's something from a business perspective, putting my bossy mummy hat on, mm. um, that, you know, you really need to look in deep and and there's a thing called a cost benefit cost benefit um, analysis and yeah yes. and lost opportunities opportunity and cost. don't hold on to something because you put so much energy into it if it's not going to be of value to you moving mm. forwards and you don't want to be adding anything to your life that's going to make you more stressed and I get if you've got a business and it feels like your second child I get that uh, but you know you've always got to be thinking about what's best for me what do I actually want and sometimes when you've been in a in a yucky marriage maybe you've never asked yourself do you want oh absolutely <laughs> and do and, I want to be doing this yeah, yeah. Um, people drift into it and they're just doing the do making the payments for the house just getting on um I yeah. don't always tell the other side <clears throat> what my client wants about the business uh, because mm. you will generally find the person who's trying to keep the business will argue that the cost is really really low that it's not worth much at all 
And mm-hmm. sometimes when it gets ridiculous about, you know, them saying the business isn't worth much, then I can hop in and go, well, actually, if you think it's only worth $3,000, my client wants it. She's prepared to pay $3,000 for that <laughs> out of the assets. And that <laughs> pulls clever. them into line. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so it is a personal choice, Rose. It really is. And there's usually a natural person. And, and when you just separate, there's usually orders to be filled, people to be paid, jobs to be done. Everything mm. doesn't stop just because one of you moved out on the weekend. And mm. and that will give you a tip as to who's the natural person to run that business while you're separated and work out what you do. And I guess then with paying them out, mm. if you're not going to sell it, mm. paying them out, some people may have had a side hustle and built it up to a point where it's worth so much money they couldn't possibly pay mm, the other side out. So what, what happens when you come into those kind of situations? Well, once you've worked out what the property pool is, then you can, uh, like once you've got it valued, you can trade off um, super or a bigger share of the house or a littler share of the house. And then with 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 paying them out, mm. um, so you can pick it from your super, you could make it get a less share in the property. Yep. Um, yep. What happens if nobody wants the business? What happens then? Sell it. Oh, you just sell it to or, other people. Or can I say if both people want the business, a judge mm. isn't going to choose, they'll go oh, really? sell it. Yep. <gasps> oh, so, has that happened? Yes, tons of Ooh. times. Not on my Ooh. watch. Not in my Ouch. clients, but there are cases because the court's not there to adjudicate that sort of nonsense. But if mm. you want the business and you've got the capacity to earn or run it um, and the other person wants it sold, the court will usually let you keep it if you can mm. afford to pay it out. But if both neither of you want it, and I've, can I tell you, it's not businesses, it's mostly um, those old timeshares. <laughs> no one wants them <laughs> and we don't know what to do with them. <laughs> those hotel things. Yes, those hotel things oh, and they're generally worth about $10,000 and I, yeah. I, I sneak it into the orders so that the other party can have it and and they'll often come back and go, he doesn't want it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Okay, all right, so selling it or paying them out, yep. um, that, that's something you need to consider. And, you know, if if money is an option, is, is important to you for your future, you know, maybe you have to weigh up, okay, if I do get the business, is that going to support me enough um, yeah. if I'm going to get less money in the house, like that, there's lots of decisions to be made. Mm. What about selling it later? What if you get divorced, you end up with the business. Can you then put as much effort into it, in it as you can and then sell it? Of course you can. Yeah. Can they come back for you? No, if you've had a property settlement, the, that's like a big red line underneath your relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you don't sell it for, you know, $1.5 million to mm. three or four months later when you've been arguing <laughs> black and white it was worth $20,000, you know, <clears throat> that's a bit hard to explain the growth. <laughs> so if you if you have, you end up with the business and then you put lots of effort into it and then you sell it, say, two years later. Mm. That's yours. Um, it's yours. They yep. can't come back for it. They can't demand yeah. anything out of it. But when you say as long as you've had a property settlement, for those who haven't listened to any of our other episodes, just to be clear, 
and am I right here, mum? It means you've either got financial Agreed. consent orders or an agreement. You've got a, either a binding finance, well, I used to call them binding, a financial agreement properly executed, or you've got an order of the court with a purple stamp on it, whether that's purple. been by cons- well, purple or ready purple now, um, either through um, consent orders where you put it mm. in and say, here, um, Your Honour, these are the orders we want you to make and the judge approves them or through fighting over it and then you get an order. But here's the Uh, test. But if you don't have orders... Then it's not over. It's not over till it's over. Um, You've you've got 12 months after a divorce to file for property settlement um, and Mm. then the time limit's up. But um, there's there's always the option to ask the court to be allowed to open it out of time and you can't count on on that being refused. It may be allowed and you can't count on you being allowed either because it may be refused. Um, but it's not over until you've got that stamp on a court document or a binding financial agreement that says it's over. And, and the reason, Rose, is this. If you take the business, right, say that you take the business as and it was valued at half a million dollars, Mm. Uh, and then it goes down the toilet, right? Mm. Um, a, a COVID or a global financial crisis or something happens, um, or you just aren't very good at it, or your main customer disappears, and it goes down in value to $40,000. You can't go back either and ask mm. for a better share of the pool. It's over. It's over. The court says everyone gets one bite at a property order. Um, mm. We're not here to completely redo it. Um, they say people can move on live your lives uh, and, you know, reap the benefits of your efforts. So the rewards of, yeah, your work. Yeah. Um, Okay. So when it comes to divorce, you've got your rules. You need to kind of make sure when it comes to your business that you've got definitely an agreement in place before you move on with your life because you don't want to end up later on having to go back. It's going to be put into the property pool. Mm-hmm. It's going to be valued if you go through um, court. If you are doing a what you were saying, not a binding because they don't use the word binding anymore, which sounds dodgy to me, but financial <laughs> agreement. Well, there was the red flag <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust that at all. Um, but if you're doing a financial agreement and you're not going through court, um and you leave business out, what happens then? What if someone forgot to put the business in? <sighs> That's terrible. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if they're doing it themselves well, and they're just like, you, whatever. You can't, you can't do a binding financial, uh, financial agreement yourself. A financial agreement needs a lawyer okay. to certify that they've given you advice. Um, mm. Usually you have a lawyer preparing it. Um, okay. and a lawyer acting for each party, otherwise it's not valid. Um, well, in our course we do the property agreement yep. that can be filed in court once you've sorted it out with your mm. ex as a consent order. Mm. Um, so we, you've just got to make sure if you're doing it that way that you don't leave out your businesses. That's right, because we put a clause at the end that otherwise everything stays in the name of the person whose name it is at the moment. And you might find yourself half owner of a business with your ex, but I don't think people are going to forget that. Oh, yeah, I don't think so. There's there's another thing that uh, a lot of people seem to do, and that is put their businesses in these big crazy trusts or bear trusts or bucket funds or I don't know, all these crazy schemes and whatnots that it's... In that regard, when it's not in your name but it's in a trust, 
and say you're not the business owner, your part, your ex-partner is, but it's in the name of a trust, is that still included in the property pool or because it's often its own little fairy world, it's not included? Well, Rose, funny you should ask, but the answer is it depends. Um, oh, no. It's, it's a big <laughs> thing. Um, it depends how the trust is written, who's the appointor, who's the trustee. You've got to get legal advice and you've got to get financial advice, and I'm not going to touch it, that question. Okay. But, okay. <laughs> but, um, but that's something to be aware oh, of. Gosh, so, if they yes. say, so if your ex-partner is, is manipulative and controlling or one of those kind of ones and they say to you, oh, no, you can't touch my business, it's ironclad in some mm. property trust thing mm-hmm. often, often – uh, the Caribbean, mm-hmm. um, you can then go see a lawyer and see if that's actually the truth. Yes, that's right. That The lawyer will want to look at the trust deed and the, mm-hmm. the family court's general view is, oh, you think? You think it's protected? Well, we know that that trust, for example, um, is just you <laughs> Um, using, you know, a trust structure to avoid tax. So they have a good look at it and if it seems to the court that, the person run the trust is actually the creature or the puppet um, mm. or a false front for mm. another person. They can just pretty well ignore the idea of the trust, but be careful with distributions from trust from a tax point of view. So run, don't walk, run to your own financial advisor, not the one that you use with your ex, not the one mm. who set up the trust. Go and find mm. someone you trust. Um, and make sure that your lawyer is up to date enough to know that there are consequences and get your lawyer and your accountant or financial advisor to work together. Otherwise, you might get a nasty little tax bill. Um, and finding out, and finding out what the tax structure is, what the trust deed is, find out, get that information sent to you. if you have a joint accountant that you've had before mm. you got divorced. They should have to help you because because they're your but accountant. Do they? But do they? <laughs> but they, other accountants can find this information yes. out, but whether or not they do, yes. that's when you go down the route of needing a lawyer and doing subpoenas and yada, yada, yada. Yep. But I'm hoping people won't end up in well, that. Well, you, know, uh, you know how turtles pull their heads in and their little flippers in and they just stay? That's how accountants go as soon as there's any trouble. <laughs> And you can knock on that shell all you like and you can't get anything out of them. So uh, that's what I found anyway. Do they wear little ties? Because now I can see this little tie turtle. And, and you know, it, they're the sort of turtles that won't stick their necks out. <laughs> so Aww. it's hard. I, oh, I disagree. I have a lovely accountant and she is absolute but, baller. But Laura, was she the family accountant? No, oh, she wasn't. No, she wasn't. So you need no. your own accountant and then, like, it's just like a lawyer. A lawyer can't act for two people. And I think yeah. that's what happens with accountants. They go, oh, what do I do now? And they've got to deal with the tax department. So they're, they often panic um, and they okay. don't know who to, to believe, who to deal with. And um, so, yeah, get your own accountant. <clears throat> so when it comes to the books mm. and valuation, mm. what kind of things are valued? Do you know that Yeah, it, it depends. If the business has got a long history and maybe a lot of contracts and things, it'll be valued on goodwill. There are a few ways of valuing businesses. If it's just a little thing that you do in the lounge room after the kids are in bed and you're just posting out, I don't know, coloured pencils or something, <clears throat> that's probably not really something you could sell. Um, mm. But 
but you might have a hundred dollars worth of pencils in the in the garage. That might be the value of the business. The pencils. Oh, so you're probably so, so it's they're, just they're, the assets. Yeah. So it's right. assets and the goodwill, and that's a very tricky question. So obviously, something that you've just started up. Um, and it only makes a little bit of money each week, um, that really might be your sort of job and it might not mm. be something you could sell and you don't have staff and you have to mm. actually work. Um, sometimes they don't come in with much value. But if you've got a car that you bought under the name of the business and that, they all count. What about if your your income comes from the business yep. and all of a sudden the income stops because you've separated and they just, they kick you out. You, you used to work uh, like as the bookkeeper uh, or, you know, I don't know, a picker and packer or something uh, and you're kicked out and you can't get that income anymore. Is that something that happens? Is that? <laughs> oh, terribly often, really mm. often. Um, and that's where you need to write a pretty firm letter to the other side. Um, but what we really usually do is just go and get some maintenance for um, um spousal maintenance. maintenance and the beauty yep. of spousal maintenance is you don't have to still do the books to get the money <laughs> so, that's true um, some people uh, you can still... check out our you can check out our episode for spousal uh, maintenance. maintenance are you eligible i'll put it yeah. in the the show notes mm. so some, you can click on that some people like to keep doing the books to keep an eye on the business particularly if they're in there as a joint director to make sure that that, that everything's being done properly with the with the um ASIC and with tax and and stuff but mm. um it's it i can't imagine the strain of going into work with your ex yeah no that would be maybe unpleasant. zoom <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe remote. Zoom. <laughs> what about what about um have there been any instances that people maybe need to look out for if they are the business owner or they're the partner of the business ex-partner of the business mm. maybe where they're selling off assets on the side and turning it into cash yes. or that kind of does that stuff happen yes okay. yes Often and lots. Um, so and, how do you keep an eye out for that? Well, most people are silly enough to sell it on Facebook Marketplace or Gumtree or oh, eBay gosh. or something. Um, yeah. And it's no point stopping anyone doing it unless by doing it they're going to defeat your claim. As long as you keep a track of what they've sold, the court can just add that back in. Mm. Um, and, and say, and, you know, say, here's the proof that they've, spe- they've sold um, $18,000 worth of goods since separation and pocketed that cash. And the court uh, asks the court to add that back in as a notional asset and say, okay, well, it's, so you've got $100,000 worth of assets. Um, we'll add that 18 back on, 118. And then when we divide it in half, that's $59,000 each, and he's already had 18000 So, you know, that's how they do it. So he gets forty-one, okay. and you get the rest. Wow, there's a, like you said, it's a big, messy. It's lump. general advice only. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because there's so much involved in, in a business being in a divorce. And I guess there's, you know, we're not even talking about the emotional side of it. Um, when it comes to amicable, I'm guessing you're going to say, it's usually fine. Yeah, it's usually fine. And they're the ones where you keep working together until it gets sorted out. Um, that'd be good. You can keep Do an these eye. people exist in the real world? That's what I want to know. Do you know? I think they do. They do, but I don't see them until um, they've been doing it for about eight months and or nine months or so and they just 
think, okay, enough's enough. (laughs) I want out because you're kind of stuck in your old life and it's just human nature. um, Yeah. Well, look, it's all good. So, okay. Mm. And then we come to the avoidant and businesses and divorce. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They pretend nothing's happened. Um, They may refuse to talk about it with you or they may Mm. just open a new account and run it aside the old one and just not tell you anything at all pretty hard it is pretty hard um i'm assuming an avoidant person is not being sneaky because if a a manipulative and controlling person opened another account and started running it along the side you'd want to be looking Mm. can i tell you laura about the two famous cases about uh, manipulative and controlling people. Yes, please <laughs> the do. Ones, the, they um, actually pretty well, I think they're both Queensland cases and they're reported. So one's <laughs> the case of Weir, W-E-I-R, and one's the case of Townsend, T-O-W-N-S-E-N-D. Mm-hmm. And I think Townsend was the taxi licence. Um, and so this man, in the days when taxi licences were worth a lot of money. Pre-Uber. Yeah, yeah. pre-Uber. <laughs> he sold... Those parties separated. He sold the taxi license that was worth about $160,000 to his oh, mate for $20,000. And wow, then went generous. to court and said, well, I've sold it. That's the value. I'm not having it valued. And the court <gasps> just said, you know what? Um, what you chose to do with your $160,000 share <gasps> of the pool is up to you. <laughs> so they, <sighs> they added it back in. He bore that loss. Um, and well, sorry, sorry, let's just stop. So he had a business asset. Yep. He sold it for nothing, for basically. For 20 grand, yeah. For 20 grand. And then the court said, you know what? We're just going to value it at what it's worth. Yep. And that's how much money goes into the property pool. And because you've already sold it, yep. you actually owe that money. Well, that, no, that not owe that money. That you've already got your first hundred and sixty thousand. So remember, okay. they added it onto yes. the property pool. Said and he already had his hundred and sixty. So hmm. they added it on, divided it, whatever it was, fifty fifty, and then said, "Oh, but you've already had your first hundred and sixty. So wow. she got the bigger share. And wow. that court, that approach has Good. been endorsed by the court. And the other famous one was a gravel pit, and the. The, they separated. The wife used mm. to do the books, I think. Um, mm. Suddenly she was banned from the site and when mm. they went to do the valuation, the, the clever accountants um, and people who went there said, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, there's not as much gravel left in this pit as there should be. And they estimated about $100,000 worth of gravel was gone <gasps> and there were no receipts for it. Um, and no record of it having been sold. Now, my guess is that old mate was getting his aliens. friends. It was aliens. aliens. No. <laughs> was no. getting his friends and say, look, <laughs> don't pay me until after I get divorced oh, or keeping a separate gosh. set of books. Who cares? We didn't care about it. The court didn't care. The court said, look, okay, we'll just add that back in. And oh then you've already had a hundred thousand and divided the worth of gravel. <laughs> so actually, they what they did was they attributed fifty thousand to him, not a hundred thousand. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, because that's half half. Yeah. yeah, and the court said that that he appealed, and I think she appealed as well. And the full court said, look. If it were us, if it was up to us, we would have slotted him for the whole hundred thousand. And they said mm. the court should not be um, too worried about being 
like kind and amenable to someone who's attempted to to foil the process to trick the yeah. court and so um, every time I get someone who's sort of fudging on that on the other side I send them those two cases as, as if they hadn't <laughs> this read is it a before warning. and say <laughs> you know, a... we're, we're laughing here <laughs> and, oh wow hmm. Wow, that's good to know because I guess a lot of people were worried. Oh my goodness, what if, what if this business that I know is successful is all of a sudden going to mm. tank just before it's time for, um, and and keep those two businesses, mm. two cases in mind. Now, the only time that doesn't work is when that is the only asset, and there aren't oh, okay. enough other assets to divide to give to you offset. a fair share. So, um, in that case, I think the court might order it to be sold the business okay. to be sold to give you your assets. So, yeah, you have to keep an eye. It's it's general advice only. It's a minefield. Businesses make it hard. Trusts make it hard. Um, Don't go filling your pockets with gravel and selling it to your mates. <laughs> and I guess that it, I think the good question you can ask is, and, Mum, you always used to say to me this as a kid, um, <laughs> When I when I would go to do something, you would say, "Imagine I'm watching you. Would I approve of this?" And so I'd be at you know high school, and someone would go, "Oh, do you want to do this?" And I'd go, "Imagine Mum's watching me. Would Mum approve of this?" So I guess it's the same thing with when you're going through court, even if you're not going through court, but you're going through divorce. Going, hmm, if this was exposed to the court, do you think they'd look favorably mm. on this, or do you think I'd been sneaky? And if that is the case, then probably don't do it mm. because nine times out of ten, you're going to get caught, right? That's right. And if the court catches you being sneaky on one thing, uh, they're probably going to assume that you're sneaky in everything and any mm. allegations made by your ex, they'll probably believe. So you, yeah. your credibility is the biggest thing you've got going for you in court. Yeah, so integrity is, yep. is your everything anyway. Yep. I mean, you, if you're not integ like if that's not important to you, then good luck to you in your divorce. But mm. I guess the one we didn't mention, Mum, was... Um, High conflict. Oh yes. Uh, so same. They're going to be awkward with this with the valuation process. So I find high yeah. conflict people. Uh, it's something that somehow they end up in businesses on their own. A lot of these people, maybe because they don't get along, maybe because yeah. <laughs> maybe because they are um, keen to argue every point and progress themselves. So it's yeah. um, really hard to send a valuer in and um, expect the valuer to be just left to do their work. So the high-conflict oh, person is going to show a point out every flaw. You'll get it in valuing houses as well, every problem with the business, um, argue with the process because, uh, like I said, you can value it on assets by asset mm. basis or you can value it on a sustainable earnings over time. Um, they might argue about goodwill. Um, the best way to handle a high-conflict person is to let them choose the valuer. Uh, mm -hmm. So give them a panel of three that you trust and and he sh can choose the valuer. That way he's got a little bit of buy-in on the process, yeah. and I'm talking about he, it can be a she. but And I guess then they can't be like, well, you chose a valuer that liked your thing. Right. That could be, sorry, you chose yep. them. Um, and, and maybe if they are having arguments with the value, we just stay out of it because yeah. it's not your problem. And, and they <laughs> might say, well, if I'm getting this valued, I want all your stuff in your house valued or I want all your jewellery valued. Look, just say, yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because the court will probably want it anyway. Um, so yeah. yeah, give in on the little things if you can, and and don't give in on the big. 
Wow. Wow. And, and one other thing I think it's important to note with the, with the new way of the world, it's not like in the old days where the books were physical books and people mm. would hide them or run two sets of books and they were literally books that they hid under the bed. Now you can have access to Xero or all the other platforms mm. uh, with the inventory included. And one thing that I think is a good, if you are not the owner of the business, but you want to keep an eye on it, ask for the, the login details mm. for the account. Mm. Um, and if you are the business owner, then if you want to be transparent and open, offer them the login details for the business account, but maybe just make sure you set it to where they can't change, change it. That's right. View only. And if yeah. you're the person who was running the books and you fear that you might be locked out, um, we talk about this in our early episodes about getting information before you go, print it all out so that at least you've got a starting point and you've got an historic record of how the business has gone. Um, and mm. then you can see um, if their expenses dramatically shoot up because they're socking money away or whatever. It's just yeah. keeping, and, yeah. Yeah, keeping an eye. People are very interesting humans. I, the, yep. the stories that I hear out of divorce and business blows my mind, but I hope that maybe somehow this has helped anyone who yeah. is listening today. Uh, and in the end, a business is a business. I know it might feel like your baby, but your babies are your babies and a business is a thing. Yes. Um, and in the end, if you were smart enough to start one, you're smart enough to do another one. Yes. And if it's your ex's business, you're probably not interested in it anyway. So let it go. Get your fair share and move. Move yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. But of course, because this is General such a advice. messy, yeah. icky, big lump of so much what ifs, definitely get your independent legal advice if, if any of any of your divorce. Oh, I couldn't believe you wanted to make it a topic of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> dear, dear. So yes. Well, a lovely listener um, sent in some questions in regards to that and I was like that could be a whole episode <laughs> not just a Q&A. Several episodes maybe. Yeah. yeah so thank you so much mum for um, unleashing your brain on us um, and if you're ever interested in any of those cases we'll put them in the show notes as well and good luck to everybody who is going through their divorce with business at the moment and thank you mum. <laughs> thank you Laura. Bye everyone. Good luck. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.